Well, good morning, everybody. I'm very excited because today we're going to be continuing with the theme all wrapped up and looking at the idea of joy. And I want to ask you this morning, are you wrapped up in the joy this Christmas? Because everywhere you will see signs of peace and hope and joy. But I don't think it's been that way for all of us in the lead up to Christmas. I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like I've just gone straight from March and jumped somehow into December. And there's been no run-up, there's been no lead-up of Christmas. Apparently there's this thing that's been called re-entry anxiety, where we've come out of COVID lockdown and we have come out of our indoors environment, safe and comforting, and suddenly we need to get back to normal. For me, I feel like I've been in a bit of a bubble myself. And all of a sudden, I've had to get my head around the idea of Christmas and presents and menu planning. And I think for myself, I've needed to rediscover what the Christmas joy is. So let me ask you this question. What does Christmas joy mean to you? And what does the joy of Christmas mean to you? When you travel to Eastland, or as I like to call it, Wasteland, when we go to Wasteland, we are totally consumed with the message that more stuff equals more joy. And as many of us realise that when we get our Christmas presents, Sometimes they might break or they might not last. And the challenge is, where is the deep and lasting joy to be found? A couple of weeks ago, I found this T-shirt in, uh, in a shop, and it's from the movie Elf with Will Farrell. And for those of you who know me well, I'm not a huge Santa or Elf fan, but apparently Will Farrell is an Elf and he knows Santa personally. And when I saw this T-shirt, I really felt like God spoke to me and said, Cindy, what if it said oh my God, as in Jesus is my God, Jesus, I know him, I know him. And there's a sense of joy in that. And I believe that we're meant to think about Jesus as the real joy at Christmas. It's not the joy of what, it's the joy of who. We're picking up this thing called Mary's Song, it's also called the Magnificat, in Luke. And last week, Steve spoke to us about how how can Mary be feeling joy when she's a pregnant, unmarried teen? You know, she's going to be facing disgrace and scorn and possibly ridicule. But I want to show you five types of joy today. And this is what Mary says in her Magnificat. From the core of her being, she says, My soul declares that the Lord is great, and my spirit exalts in my Saviour and my God. And in the Greek, in the Greek Bible, the word soul and spirit actually refers to that part of us which is eternal. So Mary is being thankful from the core of her being, even though she's unmarried and she's with child. But why? Why is she thankful? Well, it's like this. There were 400 years of silence from God between the voice of the last prophet and to the birth of Jesus. But not only did God speak when Jesus arrived, But he arrived in flesh. God came. His arrival brings joy. Just park that thought there for a moment. His arrival brings joy. He was the long-awaited Messiah King. And even though many of the Jews at the time were waiting for a political deliverer, they were in for so much more than they had ever bargained for. It was called the good news. And it was going to be joy for all people, not just the rich or the powerful. And this is what Mary picks up on. She's the first to realise this. In Luke 1.48, it says, From now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. 
I want you to notice something here. Suddenly in the text, it changes to past tense. Now, I'm a grammar nerd. I love grammar, so I'm going to be picking up on two types of grammar today, but I want you to notice that it's in past tense. Why does Mary say that he has already performed mighty deeds with his arm? Well, there's two reasons. The first reason is that in the Old Testament, when um, God's arm was spoken about, it meant that there was deliverance coming and God was going to save his people. It refers to the Old Testament exodus of the slavery in Egypt and God bringing his people out to safety, his chosen people. But this is the very first hint in the New Testament. If you look at the next line, it says, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And in the Old Testament, people who were proud were people who said, God, I don't need you. They were self-sufficient and independent from him. This is the very first clue that we get in Mary's song, that this is a New Testament exodus. This is the joy of a spiritual exodus from slavery and bondage to sin and death. His arrival is already a done deal. That's why it's past tense. God has kept his promise. Ever since the Garden of Eden where everything went wrong, and we had a fallout relationship with God, God promised to fix it. I've been thinking about this idea of the COVID vaccine, and we've been waiting a whole year for it, have we not? And we're excited because suddenly we're we're thinking about the possibilities of new freedom. And if sin is like a disease, like COVID, except the fact that everybody catches it, all humanity catches it, and there's no vaccine for sin and death until Jesus comes, And it's almost as though we can liken his arrival to the vaccine for sin and death. We don't have to live under that power of that disease anymore. Jesus is the long-awaited vaccine who is 100% effective with no side effects. Seriously, that has got to be a reason for joy. The Bible speaks about Jesus as a saviour and as a rescuer. So his arrival brings joy, but his victory brings joy. Many people think that for Christians, they get excited about heaven, which is to come. And it's true. It will be great. But what about life now? There's also good news and joy in what's happening today. The next thing in Mary's song that she picks up on is this idea of what we call the reversal theme. It's where everything gets turned upside down. Life now is going to be transformative now that Jesus has come. It says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted the humble. And he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He's not saying that it's wrong to be rich. I wonder if this is who you expected Jesus to be. Because I don't know about you, but for me, for a long time, I always thought that, well, Jesus came for sin and death. Yes, I get that. But wait, there's more. This idea of a reversal is that it's an upside-down kingdom. The joy is that Jesus has good news because we're going to transform the world now into something good that he always had in mind from the very beginning. You see, God is a God of mercy and justice. God is a God who cares for the poor and the marginalised, and the oppressed. In Mary's song, she picks up on two ideas of the poor, or the humble, or the weak. And in the Hebrew, because like I said, I'm a grammar nerd, it's the anavim, it's the people who are the pious poor, the people who are spiritually poor, who understand that without God, they are powerless. 
In the Old Testament, this would be like a spiritual deficit. When you face an almighty God, you realise just how powerless you really are before him. And in Mary's song, the reversal theme, this clue of God, high God becoming low human, coming to earth, it's upside down. We would expect him to come as a king, but he didn't. He came as a baby. It's the exact opposite of what we would have expected. Last week, Steve was saying that sometimes we look at other religions and they have to get somewhere to get to God. But the God of the Christians comes to us. It's upside down and it's undeserved grace. A long time ago when I played this game with my children, some of you might recognise this game of Monopoly. However, this is from the 70s, so I just want to say I'm proud of hanging on to something for so long. When you have to pay your bills in Monopoly, all the money goes into the middle. Now, the whole idea of Monopoly is that you get rich and powerful, right? And you get money from other people, you buy things, you put hotels on stuff. But you have to put money in the middle to pay your bills when you land on community chest. And then all of a sudden, you think you're winning, and then somebody comes along and lands on this guy here, which is free parking, and takes all the money from the middle, and suddenly the whole tables are turned, and the winners suddenly become the losers, and the people who are losing suddenly get this windfall of cash from free parking. And I wonder if we can look at that a little bit with Jesus. He owes us nothing. We've done nothing on our own to deserve his grace. He's done everything for us. It's upside down. He is Emmanuel, God with us. It's all about relationship. That's why he came and that's the joy. Knowing him brings joy. Do you see that? His arrival brings joy. His victory brings joy. But knowing him brings joy. There is a danger to over-spiritualise all this and say that it's only about sin or death, and relationship with God. But it's also about relationship with people because God cares for people. It's about the real poor. It's about the marginalised and the oppressed. Jesus said, blessed are the poor. I bought a book this week called The Cost of Compassion by Tim Costello. I highly recommend it. It only cost me $7.99. It's a bargain at Kurong. If you want to go out and buy it, I recommend it. But he said these words. He said, The shock is that God is on the side of the victims and those who are most humiliated. It is indeed a great reversal. Jesus said that we are to love our neighbour. And he spoke about the parable of this Good Samaritan that many people have heard of, that we're meant to love people unconditionally. There's a Latin phrase called imago dei, which means made in God's image. And when we view people in God's image, we become exactly like them. There is no rich and there is no poor because we're all equal in God's eyes. When Jesus came, he brought in a new world order, a new kingdom, and this is our inherited gospel. Yes, the gospel of good news is that Jesus came as a vaccine for sin and death, but it's also good news because we get to proclaim the gospel with our lives and make a difference in the here and now, to other communities, like with the silkworms. We get to make a difference. God said that loving the least loved is when we love him. And this is how we restore our world, the right side up. So upside down is actually the right way up. No longer does the kingdom of this world belong to the rich and the powerful. It is not unattainable. 
It belongs to those who are humble. It belongs to the poor, the poor in spirit, those who know they need God, and it belongs to those who are also poor and marginalised, all equal together in God's world. Because I am a grammar nerd, I want to show you something with this text. It says that Jesus has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. In the Greek, these verbs are called transitive verbs. And when I used to teach, I used to love to teach the kids that a transitive verb takes on an object. See, Jesus doesn't just fill the hungry. He actually fills them with good things. This is what he does. Jesus is an action man and a man of action. I brought in a little prop today. This is Action Man here. Now, my kids used to play with Action Man. Apparently, he was, he was called the greatest hero of all, which I dispute because obviously Action Man has not met Jesus. But Jesus is our real-life Action Man. He not only came to conquer sin and death, so much joy in that right there, but he also came to transform our world. He showed us how to do it. He showed us how to mix with people that we would normally not choose to mix with because he knew that those people deserved his love just like all of us. Jesus is the real action man. You see, when the heart is transformed, the hands will follow into action. When you realise your need for Jesus, that you're spiritually poor in his eyes, you have nothing to give an almighty God, then your hands will follow out of a thankful heart. So his kingdom, his reverse kingdom, brings so much joy. I'm just going to reiterate those joy points. His arrival his victory, knowing him and his kingdom brings joy. I don't know about you, but for me, this makes me want to get on board. It makes me want to get on board and see my world transformed, not just my world, but the people around me. This good news. Or maybe you feel guilty. Maybe you think, Cindy, I don't spend any time with the poor or the marginalised or the oppressed. But the good news for you is, you don't have to change the whole world. You just need to do one little thing. See, when we freely receive God's grace, we get to freely give it out. God is up for generous living. Earlier I said that God is not against the rich. He actually gives us money so that we might distribute it among others who need it. Tim Keller, a famous preacher from New York, once said that we need to see ourselves in the eyes of the poor. Because when we stand next to them, we're just like them. Neither of us have, have any way of paying off our debts, either to God or to the systems that are around us. We might be poor in spirit or poor in status, but we're not powerless anymore. This hymn of Mary, this song of Mary, shows the kind of love that transforms our world in what it's meant to be. In 1997, we lost two special women within a month of each other. Sorry, I think I've just skipped a slide. I might go to the next one. These two women, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa, I thought when they died, I remember thinking to myself, they could not be more different. We have a princess and a pauper. How could they share anything in common? And for many years, I just thought they were different. Until just this last year, where I've actually realised that there was more in common than I thought. For they both loved the poor, the needy, the sick, the lepers, the downtrodden, the marginalised, the oppressed. And if you look at their faces, you can actually see the joy that they get from giving joy to others. Mother Teresa actually said 
Where there is love, there is joy. So can I challenge you to think about the fact that his presence brings joy. When you bring love to people, you're bringing joy. And this is the kind of deep, lasting joy that we're talking about. This is not about a Christmas present. This is about the presence of the one who makes the difference at Christmas. See, I think Mary was onto something in her Magnificat, in her hymn. And I want to challenge you today, people of NCR and all of you looking on today, what kind of joy bringer are you? What kind of joy bringers are we as a community? Perhaps we need to discover or rediscover the joy of knowing Jesus, like in that Will Farrell t-shirt. Oh, Jesus, I know him, I know him. Maybe you need to rediscover that or discover that for yourself today. And then we can bring that joy to others. I think about the hampers and the difference that they have made in the last few weeks to the people within our own local community. And Steve mentioned um, just the other day that he's had heaps of phone calls about people that have been so thankful. And it really doesn't take much. Some of us may have spent an extra $50 maybe on our shopping. Some people spent a lot more. But really it doesn't take a lot to love people. You see, Jesus following is actually about a lifestyle based on the real action man, the hero of all. Our joy becomes their joy. Once upon a time, there was an ad on the TV, which I loved, and it said, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Because what was happening was people were getting puppies for Christmas, and then during the year, they kind of forgot about them and either abandoned them, or they would just not enjoy their company anymore. And I want to challenge us today that Jesus is for life, not just for Christmas. Seriously, should we have to wait till Christmas to hear a message about bringing joy to other people? A lifestyle of following Jesus is about knowing the joy in him and bringing it to the world. Do you know him? Or do you just know about him? Would you like to know him more? If you, if you do want to know him more, you could invite him into your heart and say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need the antidote for sin and for death. I want to know your joy. Perhaps you're already a Jesus follower. And if you are, there's a couple of observations. There are some things that we might need to stop doing and there are some things we might need to start doing to embrace the joy. Perhaps we could stop building our own kingdom and start building his. Perhaps we could stop spending so much money on ourselves over at Wasteland and spend more money on other people. Have you ever thought about paying for someone else's shopping? People don't have to be poor and marginalised for you to love them. They can be the person behind you at the queue. You might even like to let them go first. You might want to open your eyes and your heart and even your wallets at Christmas. Give to the silkworms. Bring God's love to others. It can just be the easiest transformative moment of joy. I want to finish with a small story and I've got written here, bus stop guy, to remind me what to talk about. Because I was on the way home from somewhere, I had my car full of shopping, and I started to go down my street, and I saw that there was a, um, an elderly Chinese man. He's, he's quite often hunched over when he walks down our road, and he limps as well, and he had a bag, and I could see him trying to run to catch the 901 on Wonturner Road. 
And I saw him and in my heart I thought, he's not going to catch that bus because the bus had already stopped and was about to go. And I could see him calling out to the bus to wait. And the bus didn't stop. Maybe the driver didn't see him, I don't know. And in that moment I just felt like God said, go pick that guy up and take him to the bus. I'm like, what? My car is full of shopping. Where is he going to fit? So I did a U-turn and I drove up one turn of road and I stopped at the bus stop and I, I, I put the window down and he spoke Chinese, I speak English. It's like, this is not going to work. So I yell out, bus! <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, bus! And so I said, hop in, hop in, I'll take you to the bus. So this gentleman hops in the car and you can see... Um, his thought is like, what is going on here? And I'm like, what is going on here? And I'm flinging shopping into the back seat and he's trying to get himself comfortable with all his bags. And I start chasing the bus down one turn of road. Anyway, I go past the bus and then I'm looking in my rear vision mirror and this Chinese man is looking in the side mirror and we're like, has the bus stopped? Should I put you off at this bus stop or should I keep going? Anyway, six bus stops later, the two of us are killing ourselves laughing. Neither of us speak each other's language, but there was this transformative moment of joy. I just thought I was doing a good deed, but I didn't know that I would be blessed as well. So I dropped him off at the bus stop, and then the bus finally got here because six stops later, there was no one to pick up. And this moment changed both of our days. It's hilarious, and now I get to wave to him all the time. Bus, bus. So can I encourage you to bring transformative moments of joy? Let someone first in the queue. This week, perhaps, you could look for the joy of Jesus and rediscover him. Read the gospel stories. Have a look through Luke. Read the birth narrative about who Jesus is proclaimed to be and then find out who he is when he's a grown-up. You don't want to wait till Easter, which is only probably four months away. There's probably hot cross buns on the shelves right now. The second thing is I want you to look for opportunities where you can spread this joy. When you go to Kmart and you've got to do a stocking filler and you go past that Christmas wishing tree, don't go past it. Stop. Buy a gift for a disadvantaged child. Stick some money in there. Wrap it up nice. Put a card on it. Bless somebody. Bring a transformative moment of joy. Share your Christmas table. Open your doors. His arrival The victory of Jesus brings joy. His kingdom brings joy. His presence brings joy. But can I challenge you that the greatest joy of all is knowing him as a saviour and then having his love with which to transform your world and his world. And may you find his joy this Christmas.